The following is a sermon from Faith Troy, a church located in Troy, Michigan. For more information and more audio and video content, go to www.faithtroy.org. So since January, you've heard our senior pastor, Pastor Joe Casiglia, start off our series about you're invited. You're invited to belong, belong into God's family, invited to believe more and more who Jesus is and what he has said is true, that he is the savior of the world. You're invited to become more and more like him day after day in this place. Invited. Invitation. And as I was thinking about this, thunking, I was (laughs) thinking about this, uh, this is the God we have. A God that invites us into relationship with him first. Like, we're alive because he made us alive first. That he invites us and that he initiates this relationship. That's what we believe. That's what we teach about all the time. That God's the one that comes to us first. He's an inviting God. And it's very clear in the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah 55. Come. Do you hear that word of invitation? Come. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. Come buy and eat. How? Without money. Without cost. Why? Because the price is Jesus, our Savior, free. On the cross, dying for our sins, the death that we deserved, but it's free. Without cost, listen, he says. Inviting to listen. Come and eat what's good. Get food for your soul, right? We get food every day, but man, don't we need it every week? And that will delight us. Give ear. Come. You hear that invitation? Come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is. Talk about invitation. That's a God that we have. He invites. He initiates faith in us. And then Jesus, who comes 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh. You know what? He echoes the same words. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. He rests from your week. The sufferings that we have, the temptations, just life. And Jesus promises, I'm inviting you here in this place because when you come to this place, you're going to hear my word. And when you hear my word, you're going to be refreshed. And you're going to be motivated to do what I've called you to do. Because he doesn't stop there. A God who initiates and invites and gives faith says to his people, now I want you to invite. I want you to invite people to belong to this place, to become and to believe. That's what God is. We're like his invitational messengers. That's what I, I think about who we are. We're like invitational messengers to the community around us who doesn't know. It's kind of like this um, in, in modern day terms. If you've ever aspired to be a, you know, have your own YouTube channel, right? Or have you ever uh, aspired to do your, uh, have a phone app? or write a video game online, all those things. You, you want to tell people, yeah, you want to do it, and you want to invite them to join you, right? Invite you to come, and then you want to have them invite others into something good. That's what God is telling us that we're about. And here's a shameless plug. If, if, you, if you like us at Faith Lutheran Church, why don't you like us on Facebook? I still don't know how that goes together. Like us, and then follow us on what? Twitter and Instagram, right? And we don't have a YouTube station, but you can subscribe to, like, what I heard from the younger guys here. We have an iTunes thing, like this, this podcast. So do that. And if, I have no idea what I'm saying, but, you know, ask, 
the younger pastors uh, in this place, uh, uh, what that's all about, or our staff, but what, what a great way. Man, this is this, this God's way to, that we invite, that we have something good. We know it. We want to invite others, an invitational God. If I were talking at a theological conference, I'd say something like this. This is what we call missional discipleship. The mission part. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so I send you. Go, right? Go. And in your going, as you go in your jobs, in your workplace, whatever, in your going, make disciples. Share your faith. Form them. Shape them into Christ followers so that we can do this belonging, believing, and becoming again and again and again. Because we are sinner and saint, right? So we need to understand that we belong in this place no matter how we sin this week. That we understand his truth more and more. That he came to seek and save that which was lost. And that we become more and more like him. That's that sanctification process, right? The, the becoming made holy more and more like him day after day. God does this. He invites. He uses his powerful word through the Holy Spirit. But he allows us to be his mouthpiece. To be his hands and his that's the kind of God we have. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to do that in two places of Scripture. One is Luke chapter 6, so why don't you open up your Bibles. We're also going to look into 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But in Luke 6, this is kind of the equivalent of Matthew's gospel, the Sermon on the Mount. So Luke chapter 6, Jesus' words, uh, it's on page 1,602 in the Bibles we provide. <clears throat> I'm going to begin in verse 43, and use this analogy for the first part of my message. Are you there? Thank you, Rick. Verse 43. I love that voice. No good tree bears bad fruit, Jesus says, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. As I thought about this, I, I thought we could think about it in two ways, about bearing fruit, producing fruit, individually and collectively. Individually, you could ask the question, you know, what am I personally producing? When people see me, how do they see me? How do they recognize the fruit that's coming from my tree? What's stored up inside my mind, in my heart? Because whatever's stored up in our minds and our hearts, that's what kind of comes out, right? And so what is that individually? But collectively, as a church, as a body of believers in this place, we can ask these questions. How's the fruit we're producing? What do these, what, what others recognize? How's the fruit we're producing? What do others recognize from our church's fruit? What does the neighborhood around us see? What is our reputation based on the fruit? We could do that collectively as a church. And as we do that, as we ask those questions, what's the answer coming back to us? As pastors around this place, as ministry leaders around this place, we're not content with the kind of fruit that we're producing. And if you think about that, as a church, the Christian church in America... I would say you could conclude that we're falling short here. I mean, isn't it so that nationally, it doesn't matter what denomination you're in, 
Baptist, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist, Lutheran, whatever it is, especially in denominational churches, the, the, the church in America has seen in a slow and steady decline for years, hasn't it? It has. I mean, I just heard a statistic. Pastor Joe, what was it, 28% of people in America, that's it, worship on a weekend? 20, is it 28 or 18? It's 18. 18%. Wow. Well, what are they doing? Well, I know because sometimes I'm not here on a Sunday, but I make it to go, a point to go on a Saturday night, right? But I know what they're doing, sports, all kinds of stuff, anything else but being here and being refreshed and, and, and fed the truth of how we live life and how that makes us joyful in it. And so, I mean, in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, Troy and the surrounding communities, they were growing, right? So no, no problem, our church would grow because the community is growing. But that's not so in the 21st century. Not so at all. And we as a church have to be much more intentional about how we invite others to belong and believe and become. Much more intentional about how we do that and what it means for somebody to experience being in a church for the very first time in their life. That's what we get the privilege to do as we read God's Word, as, as, the, as we understand that Jesus lived and spoke these kinds of words. Bear fruit. John chapter 15, verse 16. I have appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. He wasn't referring not just only to multiplying people in the seats, in the pews, or under, you know, understanding that uh, there's going to be more in Bible class. It's, it's just not about that. But it's about individually growing God's characteristics and producing fruit that Galatians chapter 5 says. Look at this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, and don't we live by the Spirit as Christians? Yes, because the Word of God is heard and the Spirit is active in our lives. Let's keep in step with the Spirit. Producing or bearing fruit, well, that's a natural thing for a Christian. I mean, you are a good tree. And naturally, you're going to bear good fruit. That's in your DNA. That's in my DNA. But we have to encourage one another to be intentional about that, don't we? That's what we have to do. And that's the privilege that we have as leaders in this place to help us understand. The good news is, as we worship together, week in and week out, God continually invites us to belong, to believe, and to become. Because we're sinner and saint at the same time. And for people that you bring to this place... They're invited to come and experience that. John chapter 15, verse 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How true is that? Apart from God, we can't do anything. But the Holy Spirit working in and through us allows us to produce the fruit that God would have us do. And I think that's a blessing, a great blessing to be in this place encouraging each other. We try to do that by teaching. You know that when I started in September, I, I had a, a Bible study class on Wednesday night. It was called the Arts of Spiritual Conversations. And we taught you nine skills, nine arts, nine techniques of how we can do this kind of inviting, of belonging, uh, believing, becoming together. And they were really good things. Things like noticing, praying, and listening. 
noticing somebody that you've never, you know, really said hi to, uh, and you see them every, every day or regularly, praying behind their backs, listening, asking questions, all these things. I'm going to kind of connect this. You'll see this several times in my message, but I'm going to connect it to how the Bible describes what we're, what we're supposed to do from St. Paul's letter to 2 Corinthians. So I want you to go there, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Page 1,799, the Bibles we provide. Go there. and let's, uh, I'm going to try to relate how uh, those arts kind of connect with our invitation to belong and to believe and become. Forgive me, I've been struggling with a cold. I'm going to take a quick sip. Verse 14 is where I'm going to start. Are you there? I didn't hear Rick that time. I love it. Over here, she beat you. Amen. For Christ's love compels us. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. See, the motivation for any Christian, the motivation for any ministry, any church, is the love of Christ. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still what? Sinners, Christ died for who? Us. God's love. Has God's love in Jesus changed your life? It's changed mine. And we need to remind each other of that, don't we? Like every day, we deserve to to not be in his kingdom, to not be his children. But we are because of his great mercy and love. And that spiritual DNA in us has been changed to be Jesus. His hands, his feet to one another. And that's just great news, I think. So these arts, as we talk about it in verse 16 now, look with me at verse 16. We're going to notice, pray, and listen. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is what? Gone and the new has come. Praise God in Paul. And I don't think we can really comprehend this until we understand who's writing this letter. Who is it? St. Paul. Paul, who was also named, who was the number one what of Christians? persecutor of Christians. This man who looked at Jesus from a worldly point of view saying, okay, you might be a great moral teacher. You might be a miracle maker, Jesus, but you are not God in the flesh. <clears throat> and then Paul goes to Damascus, right? And on his way to Damascus, what happens? Who meets him? Jesus confronts him in blinding light, blinds him, and he has a heart change. He goes, oh, I get it. I understand who this Jesus is. When I persecute Christians, I'm persecuting you, Jesus. You're the Lord. You're God. You rose from the dead. Why didn't I get that before? But God allows him. God initiates, doesn't he? God invites Paul to become my number one missionary, buddy. And that's what he does, doesn't he? We, how do we stop looking at people from a worldly point of view? We stop seeing them as just physical beings, but also as spiritual beings. When I thought about this, I thought, you know what? You ever go to a theme park, an amusement park, and you get a stamp on your hand, like a black ink light stamp, you know? You can't see it once you go out of the theme park, but if you put it under a black light, oh, 
Yeah, he's a guy that's been here. She's a, it, just imagine if we could see like God could see. Everybody has a stamp on their forehead, a black light ink stamp that says heaven or hell. So that when you notice somebody, you could see, oh, that person's bound for heaven. That one's bound for hell. There's only two places we can go after this life. One is to be with Jesus, our Savior, fully in all his glory in heaven or in hell, totally separate from him. In a place that God promised that would be, that was saved for his angels and the devil, the evil angels and the devil, not for us. God wants all people to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if we start seeing people, not from a worldly point of view, because people that don't know Jesus aren't going to act like Christians. So what do we do? How do we respond to that? Are we going to shun them? Are we going to judge them? Are we going to say, well, you better start acting right first before you can step into this place. How are we to show a welcoming and inviting spirit like Jesus did? He saw tax collectors. He saw prostitutes and sinners. He hung out with them, right? He was with them. And that's what he's teaching us. And through these arts that I've been teaching, what would it look like if we noticed people more? What would it look like if we just said a prayer, a quick prayer for that person, or asked questions about their life so that we understand where they're coming from before we even speak out anything? We just listened. We used our two ears more than our one mouth. That's what I always say when I coach. Say, God gave you one mouth and two ears for a reason. Who's talking right now? You are, coach. What do you need to do? Listen. Well, I'll get to that story in a minute and finish that kind of story. Back to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18. We're going to talk about asking questions, loving and welcome, welcoming. All this is from God. Who's doing the inviting and the initiating? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling. God was doing that. Why we're still sinners, why we're enemies of him to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's committed to you, his followers, that message of reconcil reconciliation. What do you do if you're a reconciler? What do you do if you're a mediator? Well, you got to ask questions, don't you? You got to love, you got to welcome, you got to invite questions. Like, it's, I, I, it's like this you know, if you're a parent that's ever been estranged from your children, you need to be reconciled back. Or if you're a, a couple that's on the verge of divorce, you need somebody, right? You need a counselor, you need somebody to reconcile you back into a good relationship. For those of you that aren't maybe quite clear why we need to be reconciled to God, here it is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not some people, all people. The Bible says that there's not a righteous person on earth who does what is right and never sins. The Bible says that we were born in sin, sinful from birth, sinful from the time our mothers conceived, that we are enemies in our mind and our thoughts against God. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We need a mediator, and that person is Jesus. And the only person that we can come before a holy God is through him and his blood shed on the cross. Amen? And so as a mediator, then God says to you, you're going, to use, you're going to be that messenger of reconciliation. So what do we need to do? We need to ask questions. We need to welcome them. 
We're going to need to introduce them to this God that they have that loves them. And that's what, what these arts do. And I had the biggest aha moment back in August when I had, do you remember Jeff Klein here was sitting up here, we were interviewing one another. I, you know me as, as an outreach pastor, I, I gather groups of people, people from the community, young men who love to play what? Soccer. And so as they come to this place on a Sunday night, we, we play futsal on a Wednesday, groups of guys, 20 or so on Wednesday, about 18 on Sunday night. Not part of this church, not connected maybe to a church. I, 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 the aha moment came where, okay, we're going to stop at halftime, I'm going to read God's word, and I'm going to share my life and my testimony. Is that a good thing? Yeah, it's a great thing. But what I'm saying is, I'm not doing these arts. Not all of them. Because I'm the one talking more than I am what? Listening. And so what do I need to do? I need to shut my mouth and really shut the Bible and say, we're not even talking about the Bible right now. We're going to start with, I'm just going to listen to you guys. And what do you think about this question? You know, what's your basis of truth? If you, were, if you could ask God one question, you know, and you knew he would answer, what would it be? And as we ask these questions, we get to know them more and more. And they get a chance to respond and feel like they belong, feel like they can have these spiritual questions where nobody's judging them. And what a blessing that is to listen, to welcome, to love. And then maybe even invite them to, hey, you want to serve together in the community? You want to go downtown Detroit, serve the, the urban poor? Or you want to go on a mission trip with us? We're not even speaking the gospel yet. The bottom right-hand corner, I'm not even doing that yet. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's a blast, and it's awesome, and they're talking, and, and we're, we're coming together, and that's how we do it. Let's go back to Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us, his invitational messengers. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of my favorite Scripture verses. That this is what our God who initiated has done for us. And if you look back at that arts picture again, as we are his ambassadors, you see the intentional preparatory things we do before we even share our faith. Those kinds of things that I want as a pastor of Outreach's heart to share and teach with you, that the ministry leaders of this place, that if we're not doing this in our ministries, maybe we can think about applying some of these things. That if we ever start new ministries, whether it's uh, new things out on the, on the fields that we have or whatever it is, that we would incorporate these kinds of things. So look for a class to be taught again, maybe in the, the summer or the, 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 after the summer. But I want to equip people to be able to do these arts so that we can be what God has called us to be, to produce the kind of fruit that we need. Now, as I teach this, I understand it's one thing to teach you, Right? But there's another thing to actually see it modeled. There's a true story that I want you to see modeled by members of our church to make something incredible happen. Today, you're going to witness it. So watch this first. My name is Mohammed Al-Jabbar, and my fiance's name is Brandy. Um, she became very ill, started having seizures, um, permanent back damage and from a previous incident and I, was, 
I had a job working as a head waiter, and then I was started getting calls in the during in the middle of the day because my fiance was on the floor and couldn't take care of herself. From there, we just started it started getting worse until we hit rock bottom. We became homeless due to the fact that I just ended up taking care of her and not our financial situations. We were on our way to the laundromat just to sit there for the whole day, really, just so I can warm her up, make sure she's warm. And just, I remember very well, it was sleeting, and it was knowing that that first storm hit. And um, we were just going there just to heat up some blankets, literally. The, the highlight of that day was to end up underneath that bridge. And um, it was really, really hard. And that bridge was the only like place where there was literally a roof under on top of your head to keep you a little bit good from all the wetness that's coming down, and that's what we plan on doing. Okay, um, well, it, it was November 19th. It was the first really cold day before, um, the first really cold day that we'd had um, in the, this winter, and I, um, had been running errands and doing things to get ready for Thanksgiving. And I saw um, a couple walking with a huge duffel with wheels and a couple of um, backpacks. And I thought maybe I should turn around and see if they were homeless, but I was also thinking I had so much to do. I hate to be cold and um, there were quite a few homeless people near my work and so I decided that um, since I couldn't give every one of them money, um, hand warmers would be a nice thing to do. To her, because at that same day... That was another like slap in the face, you know, after I first got out. <laughs> the same day I was telling her you just have to have faith and she was telling me there's no such thing as faith, there's no such thing as God, it's all made up. I believe so. When you asked, where is God? God answered in the most loving way ever. Here he is. And don't worry. No, I felt a little humiliated after I said that. I went a little bit further and decided I, I need to turn around. So I turned around and I pulled into a parking lot just a little bit ahead of them and I went to the car and I got some hand warmers and in this particular case I got some money I thought they were going to be doing their laundry, so I gave them the hand warmers, and um, I'll never forget the look on Muhammad's face when I handed him the hand warmers. It was very windy, and I remember because the hand warmers, my eyes lit up when she told me about hand warmers, because I'm carrying all these bags and my hands are stiff and they're very cold. I had to go back. Um, I feel that just that. I knew where they were going, that they actually said where they were going. So after I got my gas, I went to the laundromat and I found them there um, where they said they'd be and uh, went in and we started talking and crying and uh, I said um, that I would like to um, provide a, a room for them for the night. So then I called my husband and um, I said, honey, I met this couple, and I um, met them on the street, and I want to take them to church, and dinner, and then get a room for them. So we went to church on Saturday night, and then uh, 
took them out to dinner, and we had a lovely dinner, and then um, took them to a hotel and uh, got the room and um, let them know we would check in with them tomorrow. On Sunday, we normally go to Tim's class, so we, we went to Tim's class, and so I started sharing the blessing um, that it was to me to have been able to help someone. As I was telling the story, all of a sudden, people started putting 20s on the table in front of me, and by the time that it all stopped, we had enough money for a whole week at the, uh, for a weekly rate at the hotel. fun when God is moving in it and the, to be able to just see him in action is so cool and you know to experience that the, uh, the joy of you know the Holy Spirit blessing not only them but us too. Um, it was really God had put this all together and it was amazing. Um, it was amazing to be used by God. It's very, it was very humbling. It just, everything started to come together and I could see that God's hand was in absolutely every single step. And um, I, it was just a matter of being willing to be there. For two random strangers that don't know each other to meet like this on the street, you know, it's like, you gotta know that's the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, this is coming from me, and I've been everywhere, all over the world, been into all kinds of religious temples, places, you name it, and she knows, and I've been everywhere. For me to actually witness God's works, front row, like you put it, it's phenomenal. It's like, that's what caused me to believe. That was, caused him to believe. doesn't matter who planted the seed, who watered the seed, who's baptizing. It's God's work through us. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that inspirational? I mean, Muhammad I met, I don't know how long ago, but uh, he is, uh, uh, was a nominal Muslim from Iraq. And how he w met Brandy is a whole story. I mean, the story has so many different things that goes on. But you know what, folks? We are baptizing Muhammad and Brandy right now. So ladies first, if you want to hold that candle, Jamie. Brandy, come in front of the baptismal font's good. Put your head over that font. Brandy, Michelle, Baird, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I place on your forehead and on your heart the mark of Jesus' cross that you are redeemed by him loved by him always. Amen. Mo. Muhammad Ali Al-Jabbar, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and I place on your forehead and upon your heart the sign of the cross to mark you out 
as God's child, redeemed from all your sins, forgiven in life in his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have given Brandy and Mo new birth and new life through simple water, but also through your life-changing and powerful word and Holy Spirit. You've forgiven all their sins and made them to be in Christ a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Please strengthen them. Give them your peace and your abiding presence as you promised to all of us that you're with us to the very end of the age. And through your grace and through your mercy, keep them in the one true faith to life everlasting. And may the Lord bless you and keep you in all your ways from this time forth and even forever more. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn and face the congregation. Let's welcome them.